Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Indigenous programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Kenton James. Kenton is a citizen of the Santee Sioux Tribe of Nebraska and Cheyenne River, and is a musician based out of Flandreau, South Dakota. He started a garage band called the Lilacs in 2004 with his brother Keldon James. In 2012, he formed Sons of Sanark with his brother Keldon and his wife, Elisa Beta Giomo James from Montebelluna, Italy. From 2012 to 2019, Sons of Sanark toured the Upper Midwest and in 2018 toured Italy behind their 2017 EP, Vital Signs. In the fall of 2019, after the Sons of Sanark went on hiatus, Kenton released the self-titled name Isanti under his new band, Isanti, and followed this up with songs from Plum Tree Lane in 2020 and Isanti 2 in 2021. Isanti was intended to be a studio project only, however, and in 2021, Ketten was joined by drummer Jacob Van Devecti, guitarist Kane Rodert from Turtle Mountain, and bassist Cam Kirch to start playing shows with Isanti. I apologize to the band members and their names. Uh, if, I, if I chewed their names up, I sincerely apologize, uh, but we'll talk a little more about them a little later. Currently, Isanti is recording their fourth studio album that's due out in September of 2022. So we're going to talk uh, a lot about his band, um, about his uh, the band members that have joined him, and that process. So please, uh, let's jump into this conversation with Kenton James. Kenton, thank you so much for joining us at Five Playing Questions. It's really great to have you here. Uh, would you be able to introduce yourself? Tell us about your background and where you're from. Uh, I'm Kenton James. Um, I was born in Bismarck, North Dakota. Um, grew up in Eagle Butte, uh, a little place called On the Trees. Um, and then I grew up uh, mostly in Rapid City, South Dakota. Uh, my dad was a police officer out there, and my mom worked in the school districts. Um, and then he took a job here in Flandreau in 2001, so this is where I've kind of been since then. Um, and uh, I've lived in Vermilion, Sioux Falls, but ultimately I settled back here in Flandreau. Um, I play music. I've been playing music since 1996 when I got my first guitar after watching The Beatles. It was during the anthology time. Oh, the so. yes, yes, I watched them on ABC. I needed. I wanted to be a drummer originally, but um, they were expensive. So uh, my dad sold his uh, beautiful leather beaded coat to get me my first guitar. And uh, it was a little classical guitar. And... Uh, um, rest in pieces but uh, <laughs> but yeah i've been uh i've been doing music ever since um i eventually uh, quit basketball which was a huge passion for me to play music um and i really uh enjoyed music so much guitar playing that i had to quit basketball because i kept corking my fingers and that meant i couldn't play guitar so i had to make a decision and my dad wasn't happy about it but i just you know i was like i got to be able to play guitar it's what makes me happy right now um and so uh music's just been everything for me i mean it's the reason i have kids right now it's it's how i met my wife was through my my music um and then she became a part of the music too becoming my drummer for uh, sons of sanzark uh, around the time my first band the lilacs broke up um, so it's it's been a family thing with my brother Calden as well. Uh, Calden was he's been my bass player since 2004 when we used to do uh, uh, these blues nights in Sioux Falls at the Riverwalk Cafe. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a family thing. You know that's that's who I am too. I'm a family man. I, I grew up in a family of eight, and um, it's always been something that I've enjoyed doing is music with my family. We used to pretend to be the Beatles and record. Uh, my sister was the the leader of the band, and we'd all just sing Beatles songs and record ourselves on tape. So that's kind of where also my recording obsession began, too, was recording on little tape players. Uh, my brother-in-law, Casey, showed me how to record in 2004, I believe, and I made demos for the Lilacs through that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's 
that's me in a nutshell. You know, musically uh, um, speaking, I guess that's that's who I am. It's just been something that uh, since 1994 I've been doing always. You know, whether it's listening to music or creating music or recording or recording other people, jamming with people, it's music's really my life. You know, it's my wife, it's my kids, it's it's why they are here. You know, mm-hmm. your so your wife, I'm sorry, um, Elisabetta. Elisabetta, yes. Um, was she a musician when you met her, or how how did how did that um, how did that relationship, the, mu- the music uh, relationship build, how, how did that go? So um, my wife, um, uh, who's from Italy, um, she, uh, she came here in 2008. And within the time that she got here to the point where I taught her drums in 2010, she saw a few drummers come and go. And there was a period in 2010 where I wasn't doing anything, but she she was liking the new music. So she was like, you know what, teach me. I'll I'll learn drums and I'll be your drummer. There was a little shiver that went up my back and I was like, you know, I didn't think about that. You know, I was thinking like Meg White and Jack, you know, Jack White. I was like, this could work. Um, (laughs) And uh, I think it was in February of 2010. I was around my birthday and I was really kind of going through a depression at that point. Um, I was in college and I wasn't doing too well, you know, mentally and um, not doing well in school either. And so when she said that, I had her sit on the drums and I told her, I said, and this is the mopey me. I was like, I've taught so many people and they've come and gone. You know, I, you know, I'm not sure about this, but I was like, here we go. This is how you drum. You know, I showed her a basic beat, you know, and she, she got it down. Um, And after two hours, we were already jamming. And so I thought, this is really going to work, you know. She's got the natural rhythm. Now it's about some technique and listening to music. And I told her that's how I learned how to drum. I didn't know I knew how to drum until I had to drum because I didn't have a drummer to record for me. So I, my brother, uh, when he got, my brother, older brother Kenneth Jr., when he got out of the Marines uh, with his Marine Corps Afghanistan money, he bought me a drum set. He bought our band, our first instruments. So he bought me a drum set, and um, I sat down on it. And because at school, you know, I, you know, I'd always drum to music in my head. Um, it came quite naturally, and so probably by the end of the week, I was drumming. So I taught myself, and I told my wife, I said, "I'm going to teach you how I learned, and you know, you're going to have to take it from there." And so she really went to town with it she we'd be driving places and she'd be slapping her thighs you know to songs and and uh i was really proud of how fast she learned how to drum and i think we did our first show she learned in february 2010 we did our first show with her uh it was a benefit show at the royal river casino in april of 2011 so she was you know, a year later, you know, pretty much ready to go. And one year, wow. And one year, wow. yep. And she and we did an hour long set list too. Wow. We were doing a lot of cover <laughs> songs and originals, you know. Um, and that began, you know, our musical relationship. You know, our love was born out of music, and you know, and then our love for music is what floated the band. You know, and Calden, Calden's like, I'm not sure about this with her as a drummer yet. But then, you know, when things fell into place, he was. We're all for it, and so um, that's uh, so. That was for Sons of Sanzark that she started drumming. The first band she uh, helped me with was a band called uh, Sanzark and the Bluebirds, and we were kind of like a, a roots rock band. So um, you know, we did that for about three months, and then I was like, you know what? Let's let's get back to our roots, Keldon. Let's do like this Hendrixy, you know, Zeppelin, Nirvana ish type of music you know uh, what we kind of grew up on in our teens and um and uh she wanted to be a part of that so that started in 2012 and that went until i think 2019 right before the pandemic she left the band uh because she's in school um which i'm really proud of her for um she graduated with a master's degree in uh, um social work from 
uh, University of Houston this past spring. So well, congratulations to her. That's awesome. Yep. Thank you. That's yep. awesome. So yeah, she um, she ended her time, but what she still does with me today is uh, she sings on uh, some of the Santi songs. Like there's notes I can't harmonize, so she'll do them for me. And you know, there's some, my favorite songs from the Santi albums are the ones she sings on because she just brings this other dimension to the music that I, I really like. And so yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's how far we've gone. So since 2010 to about 2019, mm-hmm. um, she's been my musical partner. Wow. Which kind of leads us into the next question is um, about your influences. You know, who who are your influences? Um, who sort of uh, has, has inspired you along this way? I don't remember. Um, like how music came into my life. I don't, I I always try to remember that. Like, what did I first like? Um, And I think that it was country music from uh, my mom. And um, my dad would listen to like the Oak Ridge Boys and he had these cassettes and vinyls. And and then my grandparents, my grandpa Tim loved uh, Hank Williams. So the simplicity of that old country is where it kind of started, old country music. And then it took a drastic turn in the early 90s. I, I listened to what my sister listened to, which was 90s dance music. Okay. okay. <laughs> Etsy Hammer and, you know, Janet Jackson, you know, uh, just danceable music. And, it, and it's funny because that stays with you. It's not funny. It's actually amazing how that stays in your musical palais. It, it, it never really leaves. I always notice that I have songs that have like a dance groove to them. Whatever music I'm doing, there's always that song that you can dance to, you know. Um, And then I think it was in 1995, I was flipping through TV. And at this point, I was like into TLC and uh, Boys to Men, Mariah Carey. I loved, she was probably my favorite 90s artist was Mariah Carey. Um, And then I remember flipping through the channels and um and we had that old cable box where you push the button you know and that's that's how we got to the channels and i got to vh1 and um they were doing something on the beatles that might have been in 1994 i don't remember the year exactly but i remember seeing a live rendition of twist and shout from uh 1963 and um i was captivated I saw the hair and the suits, and I the fir- the thing that hit the most was the the melody and the guitars. And um, I fell in love with how the guitars looked. You know, John Lennon's little Rickenbacker and George Harrison's big-bodied Gresh, um, which influences me to this day. My guitars I use are Gresh's. Um, oh, yeah. Nice. Um, and my acoustic guitars are uh, Epiphone Texans I favor from Paul McCartney. Um, so. Uh, that's that was the song that did it was twist and shout but uh when um i think it was free as a bird i saw that music video uh open up for the anthology one uh tv you know miniseries whatever you call it documentary and i fell in love with that song i love the chord progression i love the little guitar licks I love the, you know, how the song built up to the choruses and I needed that that song. So my mom um realized that I needed that music. And so we went to Target and I remember going past the CDs and tapes and there it was, the CD Free as a Bird and it had John Lennon's artwork, his his beautiful scribbly stuff and and it had um the B-sides were uh This Boy Christmas time is here again, and I saw her standing there in outtake. So when I got home, I got on my sister's little boombox, put the CD in, and for the next several days, it was that song. I just kept playing it over and over and over again, and I remember thinking I just opened a treasure trove. You know, they were telling, they were like, you know, there was this many albums, and I was like, oh my God, there's so much I can listen to now. And so... Um, the Beatles were really it for me at the start of my, you know, musical progression. Um, they taught me how to, you know, uh, play music. Most importantly, I, I watched how John would strum his rhythm guitar. 
how George Harrison plucked the guitar, um, how Paul did his very melodic bass lines, and then I learned how to drum from Ringo Starr. And I would sit at in class and I would air drum, like I'd be humming the song at the back of the class, you know, drumming to uh, Beatles music. And the Beatles opened the doors to, you know, Jimi Hendrix and, you know, whoever their contemporaries were at the time. Uh, I got into Cream by high school, like the psychedelic era, you know. Um, I would say Jimi Hendrix was next for me. Um, he's just a poet. Um, I like how he writes in colors, like emotions and stuff. And uh, so I, that stuff really spoke to me because at that time I was going through a lot in Rapid City. Uh, being a teenager there is tough. And so... Uh, you know, I'd come home and get lost in music. I'd just lay in the basement, in our nice, cool basement in Rapid City, and listen to the Beatles and Cream and whatever uh, CDs my brother also had because he, he he liked a lot of music and uh, like the Everly Brothers and um, Rolling Stones. And so he got me into like the some other bands. That's my older brother, Kenneth Jr. Um, he's responsible for a lot of like... Uh, 90s music I would later get into he liked the Chili Peppers and Soundgarden um, so I I always had a thing for bands that had a lot of uh, melody uh, um, and I think um, around that period in about 2000 I got into um B.B. King. My dad got this uh, Riding with the King CD. And so that led me to uh, John Lee Hooker, um, Muddy Waters, uh, Slim Harpo. I started uh, getting into that kind of music, uh, blues music. And around that time, I saw Indigenous and uh, I remember thinking, okay, it's over for me. You know, I'm not. I thought I'd be the next, you know, Native American guitarist, and and watching it, uh, Mato rip it up at the Rapid City uh, Theater, uh, the place that's right next to the Civic. Uh, is it the Civic Center? Is that what it's called? Um, I can't even remember what it's called anymore. Kind of blank. I think that's what it is, right? The Rapid City so. Civic Center. Yeah, but there's yeah. a theater next door, uh, same building. But that's where they performed one night. I don't remember what year it was, but I remember I was enthralled, but also like heartbroken because I was like, I wanted to be that person that did that, you know. Um, but I always uh, been supportive of Mato. I've seen him several times, and I got to uh, share the stage with them as well. You know, that is awesome. Yeah, I'm really happy that I got to do that. Um, and then it seems like after that, I wanted to start just writing my own stuff. Um, and I, I'm not, you know, I'm not just only into myself lately. I mean, I I, I like this band Night Moves um, from Minneapolis. I really enjoy their, uh, their albums. I like how... Um, there's a lot of musical texture there. Um, there's some other bands I like. Um, I like the Wake Singers. Uh, uh, I dug Two Bulls writes some beautiful music, um, and I was really happy to be a part of that um, and to see their process. They really um, take the time to get down the you know the details of the song and. Um, you can't just wing it, you know, even though right before a show, they put a new song on me. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, they want it, they, they're just so hungry to put out new stuff. And I really like that. It's, it's nice to see stuff like that nowadays. Um, but I feel like after 2003 or four, I, you know, Neil Young might've been like the last artist I was just like obsessed with. Um, and, um, Tommy Lott on guitar, listening to them, him. Um, and so nowadays, you know, uh, I just listen to whatever's on the playlist. <laughs> I'll just go to, I'm lazy about it, uh, Apple playlist. I don't really collect vinyl anymore. I did that with my brother for a little bit. but And if there's a band that pops up that I really enjoy, it's just simply listening pleasure. Um, 
you know, I'm 38 years old. I, I don't really, I'm not out to be anything but putting out my own music, my art. Um, sometimes I'm searching for a song. I don't know what song it is. And if I can't find what I'm looking for, I'll try to write it, you know. Um, so I'll sit and noodle around on my acoustic guitar. I'll go to the piano. Um, and then if something pops up, I'll run downstairs and hit record. You know, everything's down there. But now that I got this band, um, and I'm so thankful they're working out, everything works out, um, we can write together and record together. I'm really fortunate to have met these guys to help, you know, with my with my vision quest. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's me musically in a nutshell. How has your career developed over time um, with, I guess, the, the direction of different bands? What's sort of led you? How, how has this evolved? Um, when I first started the Lilacs, that was in 2004. Um, before that, my brother and I used to do these blues shows. Like, you just show up and jam. And you meet these musicians. The guys that we played with were cooks from uh, louisiana cajun cooks you know so they were really encouraging and i remember one of them sat with me and he he was half toasted and he said you need to start writing music you need to start doing that man you got a good voice and you you play guitar good um and i didn't think about that i I written some songs before that but i was really insecure about it and I never thought about writing music seriously. Um, in April of 2004, I went to um, stay with my grandpa. He was on his way out. Um, and he lives way out near uh, east of Greengrass, uh, near Eagle Butte. And um, the isolation is so... Uh, it makes you sometimes a little bit crazy if you don't see anyone for a while you know you need to make sure you have a working car to go into town and and see people or you know or you when guests come you're like thankful for that and I had my guitar and that's the first place that I I did some serious attempts at songwriting was in April of 2004 um, where I thought okay I want to write music that you know I can tour behind someday. You know, I didn't even know how to find a band or I didn't know how to book a show or anything like that. Um, And so I remember uh, I got home. uh, My niece was about to be born. And so I came home and I told my grandpa I'd be right back. And I saw my brother sitting in the garage when I got home. I was gone a little over a month. And he was sitting in there playing bass guitar and and I had missed him, you know, because my little brother and I were close. Calden and I were really close. And uh, so I, I walk into the garage, and I said, let's start a band. And he's like, okay. You know, and he's not this guy that's like, really? You know, we should do that. He's, he's like, okay, you know, let's do it. Sure. And um, I told him I, I, I want to call it the Lilacs. And there was a meaning behind that. It was, um, there was a... a a bush near my house in Rapid City on Plumtree Lane, and it was a lilac bush. And when I got out of school, you know, I always had tough times at Stevens High School. So it's hard being a native at a, you know, a white school. And so I got picked on and bullied a lot. But for some reason, when I get to the end of Plumtree Lane, I was walking home that last, you know, eighth mile, um, those lilac trees were such a comfort to me. And my dad, uh, my dad, Ken, um, when he was a little boy, uh, he had a really tough, tough upbringing, a tough life. And he took refuge one night. He was abandoned and hungry, and he took refuge in these lilac bushes um, at this church. So lilac bushes, for some reason, are, they've always played a part in our lives. Um, so I, when I see them, I love them. I'll pick a couple off, you know, it's, it's just my flower. So I decided to name my band, the Lilacs, um, my first band. And I thought, um, when our first band came together, I was like, this is cool. I like this. I think I can do this, you know? And, um, but no one tells you how hard it is to maintain a band, you know, everything has to go just right. 
or someone you know is unhappy and if they don't want to work with you they're out you know so i think we've gone through about 13 drummers in the lilacs and that's what my wife saw and she was you know upset about that and that's why she's like teach me i'll be your drummer i won't be that person that you know ditches you now some of them they had to do they, they went back to school or they had a job you know it's it's there was some though that you know they were a bit harsh you know so Calda and I were used to that, and it was kind of we got to a point where we're like, do we really want to do this anymore? You know, I think that was around 2009, 2010. Um, do we really want to do this as a career option? And after my wife uh, learned drums and we did a few shows, it was for sure something that we wanted to do as Sons of Sandsark, and that band has been a blast. It was, and I hope to get back to it at some point. Um, you know, we met amazing people in the, um, you know, eight years that we had been doing that band. Um, and we, you know, we toured Italy, um, which was a huge thing for us. Um, we got to meet so many people in Italy that were so, uh, the music culture in Italy is very different from the American culture. It's, um, you know, you go to a show, they're really there just for you, the uh, the promoters are there and they're, you know, uh, giving you free suppers and filling you up with wine. And, you know, and so it was really a good time. Every every little town we went into, it was, uh, you know, they wined and dined us and then and get out there and perform now. And and the people there, you know, afterwards, they, they want to hold conversations with you and they want to know how life is in America and, you know, how is it being an indigenous, you know, songwriter, singer-songwriter. And some of them have some really complex questions, you know. So um, it was really something uh, playing a different country. So when we came back here, we felt a little deflated to be back here where um, sometimes there's things that are really uh, run by ego. Uh, and it's some it's really sad to see that. We're always really humble. Sometimes uh, I remember there was this fan of ours who said to me, you and your brother are just too humble, you know. You should knock it off. You should be like, all right, turn the sound up, you know, and, and snap at people. And I'm like, it's just not me. I I can't be like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not how I was raised either to be like that. So, um, and then when you're in a family band, you just, you kind of want everything to be okay. You know, <laughs> like you, I, my wife's my drummer. I want the show to be great. You know, I, I, I want to get along with people. And, and um, so... Uh, after Elisabetta left, um, I asked uh, this drummer from a band, Skin of Our Teeth, to join, and that's uh, Camp Kirsch. Um, I was a little nervous to ask him. Otherwise, you know, we were done as a band, and he was the only drummer I wanted. I I didn't know anyone else, really. I knew some drummers, but I was like, oh, I've asked him before, and it's, it's wishy-washy, I don't know. And so camp right away yeah I'd, I'd love to you know let's start practicing and that was in 2009 we had a month to prep for a show and it was a great show and he um put new life into the band he's he's a hard hitter so we had to kind of change our style of music a little more um with my wife we were more like uh, some would say artsy you know sounding um and so when camp joined it was it was it's been quite the adventure with him. We've done a lot of shows with him. And like I said, I hope we get back to it. And now with Asante, it's like a whole new life. Um, I've, I'm not used to, like, I've always had my brother at my left side on the stage. Our first show without him, I was nervous, but he was like, you know, it's camp. You know, you can trust camp, right? I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I can. But I told my wife, I was like, I'm nervous without my brother on stage. We've been doing this almost 20 years. I don't know if I can do this without him. And it was like, a, it was emotionally stressful for me. I was like, can I really do a band without my brother? <laughs> like, uh, I always ask him personal questions like, do you think this is all right? Do you think the song's okay? I, I'm nervous about doing it live, or I'm really insecure sometimes. Um, it's just because I've always done it alone. And so with this band, with Asante, um, these three fellows uh they really like what i write you know they they join the band because they're fans and they want the music to keep going so it's it's 
you know, we're talking career-wise, we can keep going with this, and I, they want to keep going with this. So I foresee us doing this for, you know, a few years or um, maybe longer. I don't know. We never know how things run, but I'm pretty sure we're going to keep doing this. And it's been fun. Like, I, I enjoy going to practice. Uh, we've all, you know, become great friends. So, you know, it's like half the time we practice and the other half we're just laughing and enjoying each other's company. So that's where I am right now. I foresee us going further with this. And I hope at some point I can get back to Sons of Sandsark uh, with Camp and Calden, my brother. And, yeah, that's where we are. Uh, Camp and Calden, where, where are they right now? Camp is the basis in Asante. Um, so when I started Asante, it was a whole different group of guys that wanted to help me out. But it was kind of like they're all busy, and I didn't feel you know really secure in that um, because it had taken so long to do one practice. And Kane, uh, my guitarist, um, we followed each other on Instagram. And then he shared one of my songs, and I said, thank you. And I was trying to remember him, and then it hit me who he was. So I was like, um, I messaged him. I was like, oh, you're the drummer from that band we played with a couple years ago in Sioux Falls. And he said, yeah, that's that's me. And so we started talking, and, and I asked if he wanted to join. And he's like, I would love to. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I play bass, guitar, drums. And Asante, the crazy thing about Santi is we're all drummers. <laughs> we're all drummers. Cam's a drummer. And, and so uh, there was this other guy that followed me. And I think it's I think his name is Melenge Still Races, and that's Jacob. And he would send messages here and there, and I was like, who's this guy? And um, I had to ask him one time. And we had spoken to each other. And then he was like, is it okay if I come check out you guys practice sometime and i watched a video of him drum and i was like this is this is a decent drummer so i just asked him i said hey do you just do you want to drum for me and he's like yeah sure but i don't want to um the other guy's still in the band i don't want to do anything i was like we haven't even started yet so if and i'm sure he would be happy for you to join and so jacob joined uh kane joined and then i was like i need a bassist the other guy um had something else going on i don't remember his name but um cole i think his name was cole is cole and uh so i asked camp because camp plays bass uh he plays bass and drums in his other band skin over teeth there they were a duo it's xavier and camp and they would switch instruments sometimes mid-song they would switch instruments <laughs> and xavier would go to drums and then camp would go to bass and sing so um, I asked Camp, I was like, do you want to join? And, you know, without, you know, and that's a cool thing with Camp. I love him as a brother. He's, he's just down for anything. Um, and so that's how we started, I think, in October. And we started playing in November. So, and then Calden is just taking a break. He's um, a manager over at JMB Meets. He's got no time to play in a band right now he's got like one day off typically so um and him and his girlfriend uh, they got a house in uh, laverne minnesota so it just doesn't work out right now but we both want to commit back to sons of sandsark at some point so yeah camps camps in nisanti and calden is working at jmb meets (laughs) (laughs) so uh, how have opportunities presented themselves to you or how do you pursue opportunities if, 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 they, if you see them? Um, opportunities. Um, there's, if there's an opportunity to do a show, um, we take it. Um, we always try to do a show for asked to do it. Um, with Asante, we have not asked to do one show. They're, we're, they're coming to us, so we must be doing something right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sons of Sandsark, it was kind of building up because no one remembered us from the lilacs it kind of faded out um usually people forget who the lilacs are even though we're around six years we're not really recognized but with sons of sandsark um we grew a fan base uh in the upper midwest um but we had to build it so any opportunity that came up to uh, play a show we take it you know right away um and then 
Uh, there was a guy, um, Zach, who runs Pearl Studios in Minneapolis. He said, I'll make you a deal to do a two-day recording session, one day free, and you know, and then you pay half the next day. So we took that up, and that was our first uh, professional recording experience. You know, I wasn't going to pass that up because he records on to tape, and he's a brilliant uh, engineer and a personal friend of mine. I admire his work as an engineer. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the, and then with the Italy tour, that um, we met a, a booker in Italy, and he threw us a great deal, you know, to uh, book us this little tour. And so, you know, anytime, it's, it's also how I grew up. If someone gives you something, you accept it, you know. It's just our, I don't know if I want to say our Lakota way, up, uh, Dakota way, you know. Um, it's just that's what was instilled in us. When someone offers you something, you take it. You know, if they're giving you something as a gift, you take it. And I've used that musically too. If someone wants you to do this show, you know, they they admire what you're doing. So you take it, you know. Mm-hmm. So any opportunity to play or, you know, future endeavors pop up, you know, we're humble about it. We'll accept it, you know. Um, yeah. With um, with different booking up. So when did the the Italy tour take place? When was that? That was um, summer of two thousand eighteen. Okay. Um, that booking took place in January of two thousand eighteen. And I don't remember his name, but me and him had talked several emails. He set the shows up and did this, uh, the pay rate and everything. And it was really professional. And um, so we just had to rent instruments. And uh, I brought my guitar. There's a little story with that. My uh, Gresh country gentleman. And we got on the airplane and they, I was hoping I could have brought it with me to sit with. And Mm -hmm. And it was my prized guitar. And when we landed at Marco Polo in Venice, I was like, oh, there's my guitar. You know, I saw it on the little the little cart, the you know, electric cart. Uh, but before it got on that cart, uh, the guy handling it threw it 15 feet, and it landed right in there. And my heart stopped. I was like, oh, my God, he threw my guitar. He threw my, you know, my Gresh Country Gentleman. So I stood up real quick, bumped my head, you know, because I'm really tall. I was like freaking out. I wanted to get off the plane and get over there and check on my my guitar. And then I found all my pedals were ripped apart, unscrewed, and it was just a mess. So I learned a lesson. I'm not ever going to bring a guitar on a, on a plane ever again. We'll just rent all our stuff. And, and we had no problem doing that. It, it was um, the rental process was easy in Italy. Um, not that I'm saying we're going to do it again. It, it is still expensive to book a tour in another country, but when we got over there, it, it went you know perfectly. We rented a van and we took off. And my wife, because she's from Italy, she drove, and I had to get used to driving there. It's really tough with the little roads and the <laughs> the um, the traffic. Mm. But yeah, um, I think we did about seven, six or seven shows. Um, and uh, it was a lovely, lovely time. I insist if anyone could ever tour another country, do it. It's also a great bonding experience. I mean, it was my brother and my wife, but you know, to do something every night that you love doing with people you love, um, it's amazing. Um, all smiles. You know, we were in heaven. We were in musical heaven. So if we can do it again. I would love to do, it. especially with Asante. I would love to do it with these guys yeah. that I very much love. Oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, your guitar was it okay? Was guitar it- was okay. okay. Um, okay. Little detuned, but it was okay. Um, case was roughed up, but it was okay. <laughs> Thank goodness. Oh man. <laughs> oh, man. I. Wow! Wow! I'm at a loss of words. That's that's, that's <laughs> wild. I was warned about that, but I was like, "No, nah, nothing can happen to me." But uh, it happened to me. Uh, yeah, those airlines, vicious, vicious, vicious people, people sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, what would you say to the 18 or 22 year old, the younger person listening to this conversation? Take every opportunity you get. Um, don't have an ego about it. Be just be humble about it. Um, but also, I mean, stick up for yourself as well. 
um, be true to yourself. Uh, if you're doing this uh, as a musical artist, um, stay true to who you are. You know, like for me, I grew up on the Beatles and, you know, classic music, classic rock. And um, I remember there was a point that I tried to be a folk, you know, artist and I knew nothing about folk. And it felt weird. You know, I think it was because everyone was doing it in like 2008 or nine. But I was like, this this isn't me and it doesn't feel right. And so that's how Sons of or Sandark and the Bluebirds uh that's how that little thing ended was because it just wasn't who I was. Mm. Um, and so when I went back to my roots, you know, what I grew up on, you know, the influences, I felt right at home. So as long as you're, you know, true to yourself, your your um, musical character, you'll do just fine. And like I said, just take those opportunities as they come. If the gig offer comes up, you know, Make sure you know what it is and then accept it if it's good, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just that that would probably be it really. Just take those opportunities. If you the chance to jam with other people comes up, jam with as many people as you can. You never know what's gonna come out of that. You know, what comes out of that experience. And do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> podcasts are fun. Podcasts are fun. I agree. Yeah, uh, you know, when you know, listen to you to talk about your experience, say like in Eagle Butte, even. Um, you know, I, so I grew up in Sisseton, I'm mm-hmm. a Um, you know, and I think for a long time I didn't know how to get into things. Mm. You know, you, you, you see people doing really cool stuff, musicians, same thing. You know, um, I was right there with you, I was in high school when uh, the anthology came out, mm-hmm. and I lost my mind. That, that, that was the the twist and the turn, like I finally found something that I really enjoyed. Right. Um, right. And I got obsessed free as a bird. You know, I think I saw her standing there. That's take 17. I think like, this is how, obsessed yes, I am. yes, you're right. It was yeah, take 17, take 17, <laughs> probably of their, of their greatest takes they took, you know, throughout yeah. their whole thing, you know, um, I just didn't know how to be a musician. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, um, you know, so I never really seriously pursued it. I've bought a few guitars. I'm a lefty. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have a left-handed uh, Hofner bass Ooh, that okay. I play with. You know, and um, I'm terrible. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> you know, as uh, I play drums in high school. You mm-hmm. know, I'm terrible. I've I've never committed to it. So I mean, I can't even step in the room with you guys. But it's something that I love. <laughs> but the thing is, is growing up uh, where I grew up, you know, those opportunities weren't there. Right. And maybe some people. Um, the ones who know how to do those things aren't really around or they don't make themselves available. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think it took me a little longer to sort of fall into what I wanted to do right. or to have the courage to really pursue something. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of I think about a lot of the kids that grew up where I grew up or, you know, on the different reservations or communities, they don't have that. Right. And so um, I'm glad that you were able to... to find those connections and to make that happen right um i really have to thank uh, my uncle jb weston um who so i was like you I, I i had that guitar my dad got me but i never i imitated rock stars like i i got my rhythm down and everything but i didn't know how to play it mm-hmm. uh, i didn't have anybody to show me how to do that stuff and then my uncle jb came up from my uh, older brother's graduation in rapid city and uh june of uh, or may of 2001 and he said practice this lick and it was the pentatonic blue scale and he just showed me how to bend a string and all that and stuff and so i was you know doing these runs for three months on the on the this pentatonic scale and it was in the key of a and three months later when we moved to flandreau i jam with him and i i'm like doing that you know and i'm young so you know i got the energy to do it and he was shocked how fast I made that transition. And so he's like, okay, now your next step is how do you use this scale in a song? And so he would just do these little, you know, dun, 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 and I would just play over it. And at first I was just doing the, the scale, you know, you know, and then he's like, right there, stop, do a bend, you know, so I would do a bend and, you know, 
And then I got to jam with um, uh, Ted Stevens uh, and Dion Stevens, their band. Rest in peace, Dion, who just recently passed away. He was actually our first drummer for the Lyx. So I just want to give a shout out to Dion Stevens. Um, Ted loaned him to us, <laughs> I should say. But uh, we'd practice at Dion's house in his basement. So he was there for our first uh, Lilac shows. Um, when it was me, Calden, my brother in law, Casey. And uh, that's actually Dion's Casey's uncle. So I just want to do a little shout out to uh, Dion for helping us, helping the Lilacs get started. Um, he did several shows with us in our. In our beginnings before we got a little too weird for him. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's, that's, I was in the same thing. I was like, I'm not good at this. What am I thinking? And then my uncle really opened the door for me. And then I remember actually taking the time to look through a chord book and like, that's how you hold a chord. That's what John Lennon's doing. Okay, I get it now. You know, and so after that, I was, I remember I go to my dad's office and print off like, from this e chord website, all the chords and all these songs I always wanted to learn, bunch of Dwight Yoakam stuff, you know, I was just strumming away all this 90s country and Beatles stuff. And um, my favorite chord was the G minor seven chord that I learned in jazz band my junior year. I thought, okay, I learned enough chords, I'm joining jazz band, which was a big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but I got into it and I took a lot of chords that I learned then and I applied it. To this day. So to you younger kids out there, if you join jazz band, you will learn a lot of great stuff. You'll learn rhythm techniques. You'll learn strumming techniques. You'll learn picking patterns, different chords. And I use these jazz chords in Sons of Sansart on some pretty heavy songs. And they work just right if you do things just right. And that was always a thing for me, was trying to throw these uh, minor seventh chords, major sixes in there, um, and making them work in a band. And, you know, so it, it worked out. Um, but it was a lot of time and patience. I remember I was like, why can't I do what Jimi Hendrix does? You know, why can't I do what Mato Naji does? Um, well, it just takes time. Uh, and then once you learn how to do that, you don't repeat it. You, you take little things from there and you make it your own. You change it up a little bit. Um, I mean, it's rock and roll. It's 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 you know it's this historical complexity. You can't really redesign the wheel too much. You know, it's gonna still be rock and roll once it's done. You know, so that's the thing I love about music in general is you can you can mix things up. You can throw some jazz in there. You know, I love '30s and '40s uh, pop jazz. You know, jazz pop. I love Ella Fitzgerald. Do you ever look up the chord progressions to some of that stuff? It's amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's fun to try to borrow a chord. I remember reading about John and Paul uh, back in the, I think they were the quarrymen. They would walk to the other side of Liverpool because they heard some guy knew how to play a B7. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, sure, I'll show you guys at my door. Zoom. And then they went home and a bunch of songs with B7. So... And I remember that. That's once you learn a new chord and you strum it and it sounds right, it's the most amazing feeling. And then when you use that chord in your own song, it's even more amazing. And music is a gift if you use it just right. So that's another thing for you kids out there. <laughs> never stop learning. Never never stop learning music. Ken, thank you so much for, for no problem. joining me on this podcast. This, this was really great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And that does it for this episode of Five Playing Questions. I want to thank Ken again for sharing his time and story with us. This, this episode was done a little different than normal episodes. Uh, generally because of the, the pandemic and uh, budget restraints, most of these interviews are done online. Um, I have a service, we connect, and um, we, we do these interviews online. Um, this wasn't the case. Um, Kenton had requested to actually come down to his home in his home studio and record the new interview from there, and which, which is great. I really enjoy uh, going into the space of the artist and having that sort of face-to-face -face time with them. Uh, but this, this experience was a little unique in two different ways. 
one, they offered to do a studio recording for the podcast. And I thought that was great. And so very soon you're, we're going to drop a bonus episode where you can actually listen to that jam session. It is worth it. There are, <laughs> there's a number of songs that could be hits. And so I really hope that these songs are something that picks up a lot of uh, momentum because they're worth listening to. And you should be very excited to listen to this because I'm very excited to share this with you. But part of his pitch, too, when he was saying uh, you should come down is he said, I'm going to make you pizza. We'll have pizza after the interview. I thought that's a very specific flex. And then I realized um, that his wife is Italian and he, you know, his pizza must be something that's actually from Italy or his recipe must must be from Italy. And as soon as that thought crossed my mind, I'm like, sold. I'm going to, I'm going to check this out. I have to have this pizza. <laughs> and so... Uh, so I went down the Flandreau, uh, we recorded the interview, we did the jam session, and I am telling you, uh, his, his homemade pizzas are something that you cannot miss. That being said, um, he is a baker of Napoli-style pizzas, and he actually sells these pizzas. And so this summer, as you're listening to this, he's out on the Pabal Trail selling those pizzas. You have to find him. You have to try these pizzas out. These are legitimate Italian pizzas, and they are amazing. So don't miss out on those. Any which way, uh, the band was awesome. Ken and Elisabetta's hospitality was second to none, and I really had a great time uh, in their home and in their studio. And so both of you, thank you so much for for uh, that amazing evening that I'm never going to forget. It was so great. Anyways, uh, that concludes the episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I w- yeah, thank you for joining us and listening to what was what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me at Canna, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists on social media, um, and our plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, past videos, and these podcasts. So if you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please reach out to me and message me. I'd really like to hear from you. All right, that's it. You take care, and we will see you next time. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.